0: Hi, this is Felix chimera lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. I mean, in this fallen world, things don't work out the way that we want them to work out. And in fact, in a fallen world, In a third world country, it's more fallen than fallen. (laughs) And so, the things that you plan, the things that you say, this is what I want to be, this is what I want to do, they never come to pass. Most times. If we take that idea to our Christian faith, there are those that would promise us that once you have become a Christian, everything is just going to work out perfectly, isn't it? Oh, Jesus is in your life, and you know, you're a son of a king, and everything is just, it's just going to work out for you. You're going to be healthy and wealthy, and nothing bad is going to happen to you. Well, here's a reality check. We're still living in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, we are going to have trials. We will have temptations. Things won't go the way we want them to go. But God still calls us to live joyfully god still calls us to live joyfully in this fallen world and so that we can still be his witnesses in this fallen world in fact if there is a teaching that we can take from this passage it would be god calls you to live joyfully in the midst of trials tell your neighbor god calls you okay tell them like you had a cup of tea this morning right so god calls you To live joyfully in the midst of trials. Tell the other neighbor. God calls you to live joyfully in the midst of trials. How do we live joyfully in the midst of trials? Now the thing about James and his book is that it's not like he's got like this one story that, you know, he it just keeps on unfolding and folding and you can kind of like mix. It. So it's almost like you have to tie the different pieces that are there. And so he says some six things here that will help you and I to live joyfully in the midst of trials number one how should we be well you should be steadfast in trials you should be steadfast in trials number one look at verse number one it says james a servant of god and of the lord jesus christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion greetings so this is a letter and it starts off like a letter the person that's written the letter james and the person to whom he's writing the letter the 12 tribes in the dispersion and he says greetings now who is this james Others have said that, well, there are about six Jameses in there, and this James cannot be the brother of Jesus. It cannot be the brother of Jesus, because, this, because if it was the brother of Jesus, then he would have been saying things about, you know, his, uh, his big brother, Jesus. Right? That he would have spoken about the fact that, you know, they're blood-related and stuff like that. Others have said, no, it cannot be James, because the Greek here is really very Polish Greek. It wouldn't be the Greek of somebody that has grown up in Jerusalem that may not have that much of an education but wait a minute it is possible that James may have used somebody else to help him write because he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion in other words he's not just writing to people in his locality he's writing to the Christians worldwide Jewish Christians worldwide at least in the known world then this is James the brother of Jesus Because this James, the brother of Jesus, is the one that was, in a sense, the head of the church. We hear of him in Acts chapter number 12, in uh, in verse number 17, when Peter is miraculously released from jail, and he shows up at somebody's house, and here's what he says, go and tell James and the brothers, the recognition that James is an authority. At the Jerusalem Council, when the church has gathered together to iron out this whole thing about how should Gentiles be Christians should they also follow Jewish rules when everybody has given a report and everybody has had, they say guess who stands up and says the final word it is James when Paul is speaking about his apostolic ministry when he's speaking about the fact that the gospel that he has he has not learned it from somebody but that it was a revelation from God himself in Galatians chapter 1 in chapter number 2 he says listen I went to Jerusalem and told the pillars there and who does he include in the pillars james peter and john and so this must be james and the reason he's not saying which james is because everybody knows that's the james hallelujah everybody knows that's the james and so any other james must be called by another name you know the way we do it you have two you have somebody with uh, with uh, or you have two people with a similar name you give the other ones different kinds of names isn't it Why? Because you say this name belongs to this maybe senior person or more famous person. More famous person. That is why James here just says James. Notice he says he's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing to the 12 tribes. Probably Jewish Christians. These Jewish Christians are going through a hard time. Going through trials. Going through temptation. Watch what he says to them next. Verse number 2. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Crazy thing. Count it all joy when you're going through hard times. (laughs) Count it all joy. Is he saying when you go through hard times, when you've just been hit by a car, you should start laughing? Is he saying you should do something like that because, you know, us Christians, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and so we do crazy things. No. No. He's not saying that. He says joy. Joy, a lot of people mistake for happiness. Happiness is dependent on your happenstance or the circumstances surrounding you. And so when you find people that are partying you also feel like oh yeah that song is a nice song you go to that wedding maybe you're not feeling too well you're sad with something but then that music starts pumping and that bass is gyrating you and you're feeling wow i feel good yes that is happenstance that is happiness that is not joy joy is something that you have in the midst of your troubles he says count it all joy let's read that again count it all joy my brothers when You meet trials of various kinds. Now, Peter, or rather James here, does not have the idea that now that you have become a Christian, you are exempt from trouble. Mm -mm. No, no, no. Peter does not have the idea, now that you have become a Christian, then your blessings are double-double, double-double, and that you will never suffer any loss, you will never go through any hardship. No! No! Contrary to the fact, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now watch this. The suffering, the trials, can actually be a test. Amen. The trials that you're going through can actually be a test from God. God does test his people. Abraham, the man of faith. In Genesis chapter number 22 after his God in his blessing the blessing that he had waited for 25 years this son God says Abraham I want you to take your son your only son so that he makes no mistake about it your only son and I want you to go and sacrifice him to me and all this was really a test will Abraham obey God will Abraham want his his uh, his blessing more than he wants God Is Abraham just about his blessing? You see, many of us, when we get into our blessing, we forget God. When things start working out for us, we forget God. When we get that job, we forget God. When we get that girlfriend, we forget God. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, he's talking to somebody here. He says that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Other versions say, patience. That's what it does the testing of your faith produces steadfastness God is about you being the kind of person he has created you to be and you can never be the kind of person that God has created you to be unless you go through the process so God will allow in fact God will send trouble to you he says This is so that steadfastness can come upon you. And verse number 3 says, or verse number 4, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says, let steadfastness have its complete effect. Let it, allow it. You're going through trouble. What should you do in trouble? You should persevere, isn't it? And that perseverance, that perseverance... He says, it's something that you should allow to be. What would allowing perseverance to go on mean? It means you continue in the suffering. Tell your neighbor, hallelujah. That's what it means. It means you continue in it because it has not come to the place where it really should shape you and form you into the person that God wants you to be. Hallelujah. Oh, for some of you, you don't realize it. The trouble that you're in is what God is using to shape you the trouble that you're in is what god is using to shape you tell your neighbor the trouble you're in is what god is using to shape you hallelujah and then he says if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of god who uh excuse me we're talking about trials we're talking about steadfastness what's this stuff about uh, application of night and so trial in that to god to help Right? Do not give with reproach. He doesn't remember what you did yesterday. You know, there's some people, if you go to them, they'll say, oh, No, I can't give you. Why? Well, because of what you said yesterday. <coughs> no, I thought you forgave me. Uh, no, 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 you said it still. No, God is not like that. You may be like that. Your mama may be like that. Or whoever may be like that. But God gives without reproach. In other words, when you're in trouble, go to God. Seek wisdom from God. Because God wants to get into your situation and to help you in your situation now when you're asking from God how should you do it he says in verse number 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 six there he says but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord he is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways he says, here's how you should ask. You should ask in faith. You should ask believing that God is going to grant it to you. See, many of us, when we come to God in prayer, we always are doubting. I mean, it's like one of the options that we, we, are, we, we have. I'll pray, but I'll also do that. I'll also talk to that one. I'll also do this, but really, uh, I don't know which one is going to work. No, 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 no. Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you have received. Believe that you have received Stand on the promises of God. Stand on what God has said. Believe that. Because if you do not, you're a double-minded man. tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea. In fact, like the wave of the sea. tossed which way? So somebody comes and tells you, Oh, you know what? At this kind of concert, uh, my mother died of it. <laughs> I'm going to die. And then you hear somebody preaching, Listen, God is a healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. He was wounded for iniquities he was bruised for transgressions and by his stripes you're healed god has healed you oh yes i'm healed and then somebody comes again you hear this report on tv or something that talks about your cancer and you say no 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 no. i think i'm gonna die no you must stick to what god has said if god has said i will heal you i have healed you you stick to that if you do not stick to that you are a double-minded person i tell you in a trial you need to be steadfast In a trial, you need to persevere. Oh, but how am I going to get this power to persevere? This trouble is too much for me. God is faithful. That with every temptation, he'll provide a way out if you are not able to bear it. He's that faithful. He cannot take you into something that you are not able to bear it. Hallelujah. In fact, if you got it, you can handle it. Tell your neighbor, if you got it, you can handle it. Mm -hmm. The reason he has brought it to you is because he knows you can handle it. Amen. God trusts you. God trusts you. Start trusting you like God trusts you. The reason you're in that trouble, the reason you're in that problem is because God knows you can handle it. Tell your neighbor, you can handle it. Mm. You're not inspiring faith in your neighbor. You You can handle it. You can handle it. You can handle it. Let them know they can handle it. How do we live joyfully number one by being steadfast in trials number two by being sober about your life in fact by being sober about life watch what Jim says next in verse number nine let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation now the lowly brother the rich now here John is talking about classes of people oh in the church there are those that are rich In the church there are those that are poor. Who is the lowly brother? The poor one. And as you read James, as you read through in the book, you kind of like get the idea that there seems to be a situation in which the rich seem to be oppressing the poor. I mean, that's always a situation, isn't it? Don't the rich always oppress the poor? Come on. Don't they? In fact, the rich have gotten rich on the backs of the poor, right? Amen, church. See, the thing about wisdom writing like this, it's very earthy. It's about the things that are happening right now in people's lives. You see, the problem with most of us, our faith, our Christianity is too spiritual. It's, not, it's just about, you know, in the sweet by and by, when Jesus comes back. Uh-uh, we still have to live here. We still have to transact down here. And down here, the reality is, there is oppression down here. Amen. There is malusi down here. Isn't it? People are broken down here. And so, wisdom literature helps us to navigate to apply the spiritual principles to how we are living life today. And so, here he points it out: Let the lowly brother, let the one that is poor, let him, let that person, let that person boast in his exaltation. What exaltation? Well, because you're in Christ. Because you're in Christ, you are not just somebody with no money. Uh-uh. because you're in Christ, you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus you are a child of God and like John writes elsewhere he says oh what manner of love that the father has showered upon us that we should be called the children of God that's who we are please don't let your house define you don't let your lack of money define you don't let what people say about you define you you are a child of God Oh, you are precious in his sight Saul loves you, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. You're valuable. Don't let the worldly system put you down. Don't buy into it. Because it says, if you do not look a certain way, then it means that you're not up there. Well, you may not be up there in the eyes of the world, but you're up there in the eyes of God. And so, the lowly brother, the poor brother, the one that feels like, the one that actually has nothing... They should boast in their exaltation. Let the weak say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Why? Because of what God has done for me. Hallelujah. Listen, 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 listen. Do not let the reproach of poverty get to you. Do not let the reproach of poverty define you. Do not let it. Look, you may be poor. You may not have much. But the little that you have, oh, have joy in it. Be proud of that, of that which you have, because Christ died for you. Don't buy into the world and its false values. That when you have a car, then it means you're somebody. When you're driving, you're better than somebody that is walking. Th- that's something that is of the world. Says the lowly brother, let him boast in his exaltation. And the rich in his humiliation. So the one that is rich according to this world, they should remember their humiliation. They should be humble, in other words. Watch what he says: because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. He says, Listen. Rich man, you're just like a flower. You're going to die one day. See, be sober-minded about life. You will die. Rich men will die. Poor men will die. Rich women will die. Rich, uh, uh, poor women are going to die. Everybody is going to die. That's a reality about this life. And so when you live this life, don't live this life in a haughty manner, in a prideful manner, thinking that the things that you have are the things that define you. Nobody was born rich. Naked you came and naked you'll go back out of the swamp. In fact, you may not, in fact, you won't go out naked because we're going to be nice to you and put on, you know, and put you in a suit and a nice casket. And some of you, I don't know how you you feel about that. You never put on a suit, you don't like a suit. But on your funeral, you won't have a choice. We will put you in a suit and you'll be in a casket in a suit and your last photographs on the earth will be in a suit in Jesus' name <laughs> Amen. and suit lovers <laughs> but what's the point of James life is flitting what does it profit a man say Jesus to gain the whole world to gain all the riches of the world all the Bentleys all the, all the I don't know all the cars all the nice things to gain all the riches of the world but lose his soul no We should know that riches are not the things that define us. And in our culture, we have come at a point where we are very materialistic. Where when somebody asks you where you stay, it's not because they want to visit you. They want to gauge you. They want to put you on some standard and see, okay, so how do I relate to you? They don't want to visit you. What do you do? It's not really about, you know, I'm interested in your life. No, 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 no. Where can I put you? Because I'm gauging you we as Christians are to be sober minded about life. Also you rich people I mean if you notice verse number 9 up until verse number 11 there is just one little phrase to poor people isn't it? And then the rest of this is for rich people isn't it? So all you rich people all you rich people please remember one day you will die. And you may actually die in the pursuit of your riches. And if you die in the pursuit of your riches and not seeking the kingdom of God or not in the pursuit of the kingdom of God you know where you'll end up. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Ask your neighbor, what are you pursuing? Now that's it. It doesn't mean that poor people cannot be greedy. Some of the greediest people, some of the most miserly people, only that are poor people. The little thing that they have, they don't want to share with anybody. They just want to keep it. They want to accumulate more, 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 more. And do you know something? Poor people actually get rich. Because they always want to keep, want to keep. They accumulate more and more and more. And so you may think, oh, that's a really rich person. They are poor. They still want more. They, They don't have enough. So, James is warning. You that are poor, boast in your exaltation in Christ. You that are rich, be humble. You may enjoy the glory of people around you, the celebration of people around you, but be humble because one day you'll die. This is like Isaiah 40, 6 to 8. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Why do I like saying that? To remind you and I, to y- you and I that, listen, this is the only thing that lives on forever. Hallelujah. Oh, so your, your, you young man are running after that young woman. And you young woman are running after that young man. Guess what? Another 20 years, they, 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 they won't look the same. Because guess what? Everything in the world is on a downward spiral. It's dying. And so there should be the humiliation or the, the humility to understand that this life is not a life that I should think it's always going to be like this. Be sober about life. Number one, be steadfast in trials. Number two, be sober about life. Number three, be vigilant against sin. Be vigilant against sin. Verse number 12 there says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So here is a a beatitude, a blessing. Right? Blessed is the man right, who stays steadfast in enduring in a time of trial. And he says, here's what's going to happen. God is going to bless that person. Amen. God is going to bless that person. And that person is going to receive a crown that God has reserved for those that love him. I'm sure you know one day you'll die. right? Anybody doesn't know one day they'll die? Okay, everybody knows one day they will die. In fact, the statistics on death are really one out of one Dies, 100% they die. We all die. right? And when we die, we're going to come before God. When we die, we'll have to give an account of the life that he gave us. For those that have been steadfast in uh, faithfulness under trials, God will give them the crown of life. See, in as much as you and I have been saved by our faith in Christ Jesus, by our saying, Christ come into my life, and our being justified because of the faith that we have, there's also the part where we persevere. There's also the perseverance of, the save, of, of those that are saved, of the saints. Yes? One saved, always saved, but that's because the always saved persevere till the end. And so the one who perseveres when they go through trial they know that they will receive a crown from God which he has kept for those who love him in actual fact to love Jesus is to obey Jesus to love Jesus is to obey Jesus he who loves me says Jesus will obey my Commandments and so you can say all you want oh I love Jesus I love Jesus I love Jesus I'm a Christian da-da-da-da-da. but if you're not obeying him you don't love if you're still living in sin, you don't love Jesus. If you still continue with that thing, you don't love Jesus. Watch what it says next. Verse number 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. He says, listen, when you are tempted, let no one, it's an imperative, it's a command. Let no one say when tempted, I'm tempted by God. That God is tempting me. No, God does not tempt anyone. God will test. Testing, knowing that you, with, with the wish that you are going to pass the test. You get it? God does not test, I mean God does not tempt, God tests. He'll test his children. He'll want them to grow. I mean, would you feel comfortable getting into a minibus or a bus and finding out that the driver has no license, did not pass the test? No. It's a dangerous driver, isn't it? So anybody that is worth doing something must be tested for that thing. And so it is too with God that He tests you. He tests you so that He can take it to the next level of the destiny that He has for you. There's no way you move to the next level of your destiny in God without a test. So he must test you. But God does not tempt you. Does not tempt you so that you can sin. No. God does not tempt believers so that they can sin. He does not do that. And so James says, when tempted, let no one say, God has tempted me. Because God tempts no one and he can be tempted with no one. But here's how we should understand temptation. He says, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own evil desire. So how are you tempted when you are enticed, when you are lured? Lure here, think in terms of fishing. Fish hook. And the bait there. So there are things in your life that are baits, that hook you. See, I hear a lot of people say, oh no, you know the problem with that person is uh, they they need to be delivered from a demon. No, it's the devil. Watch out. Because the devil does not come uninvited. The devil found something. And you, you latched on to that bait and so you got hooked. So the big problem is not really the demon. The big problem is you. Hallelujah. I mean, when you hear some stuff today in the church, it it pretty much is, the devil made me do it. And so cast out the demon from me. Look, even if we did cast out the demon from you, if you open a door to it, it's going to come back again. Isn't it? Hallelujah. It's going to come back again. You need to come at a point where you take responsibility for your heart, for the things that are in your heart. If you do not take responsibility for the things that are in your heart, you will not change. The devil is not going to say, oh, you want to change? Now I'll stop enticing you. No. Then he's not a devil. The reason of being a devil is so that he can tempt you. Amen? The reason he exists is to tempt you. So when tempted, let no one say that I'm tempted by God because God tempts no one. But each one of us is tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own evil desire. There's something in you. There's something inside you. An evil desire that wants to open up to the demons. Amen. So we can cast out the demon today and you can crawl all over here and make noise and and vomit and all sorts of things can come out. Right? But if you still open the door. If you still have that evil desire, guess what? Seven more demons are going to come. Hallelujah. We must take responsibility for the sin in our lives. Tell your neighbor, you must take responsibility for the sin in your life. The devil only comes to help you. Amen. It's sad, this thing, this misunderstanding. Somebody told me, oh, my son, always getting drunk, always is stealing things, and da-da-da-da-da-da. Guess what we tried to do? We tried to get him to Nigeria to be prayed for by the man of God, you know who, and then came back from there two months, they were sober and everything. Third month, boom, right back into it again. You don't have to waste money to go to Nigeria for something that you should take ownership of. Amen. You should take ownership of that problem And you are the one that should say I'm in trouble, I need help, help me When somebody is looking for help for you It doesn't help you Because you don't want to be helped If you want to be helped You come looking for help, isn't it? So you have not come to the bottom Of your sin, of yourself To see yourself as helpless That's why you don't need help Remember the prodigal son? who went off and wasted his father's money in an inheritance? Did the father go out and call him? Oh, please, my son, come, 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 come. I've got a big house for you. Oh, 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 oh a party for you. No. The father's just waiting because that person needs to come to the place where they re- they hit rock bottom and they come at the point of realizing, I need help. Friend, sometimes the people in our lives that are messed up, We need to let them be. Let them come to the full conclusion of their problem. Because we've tried to talk to them, isn't it? We've prayed for them. We've done this. We've done that. But there seems to be no change, isn't it? You are not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Nobody can change anybody. Isn't it? So let's pray for them that the Holy Spirit will come upon their lives and change is going to come. But up until they take the ownership to realize that this is an evil thing. I need help with. Help me. Counsel me. So that this thing can move away from me. Until they make that choice. Nothing is going to change. Hallelujah. And so he says, verse number 19. I'm sorry, verse number 15. Then desire when it has conceived, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. So it may look like just a little step. Not just now. I have a struggle. Oh, maybe another month later. But you know what's happening? He is inching you closer and closer to your downfall. Do you know the devil has got a lot of time? The devil really has a lot of time. He's more patient than us. So it will start like a little thing. You don't do it again until another two months. Or maybe even six months pass, you don't do it again. And then another six months, you do it again. And then six months again, you do it again. And then it's Four months. And then it's three months and then it's two months and then it's every three weeks and then it's every week and then it's every day he is patient James is saying we should be vigilant against sin. we should be watchful that's why the Bible will speak of us let's confess our sins to one another listen your problem that you have if you can solve it by yourself you wouldn't have a problem Let me say it again If you could solve your problem You wouldn't have the problem You have the problem because you can't solve it Amen And so you need other people that can come into your life To help you solve the problem But really nobody cares for me Nobody comes to see me The pastor doesn't come to visit me Do you know the pastor can't know everybody And everybody's problems And some of your issues They are so hidden nobody knows It's just you so how is somebody going to know? Short of the Holy Spirit saying, that one has such such an an issue. And so what am I saying? I'm saying, friend, don't play around with sin. When you have an issue in your life, come, let's talk. Go to a leader, talk. And so that that thing can come out into the light. The sin actually thrives on darkness, on secrecy. It thrives on secrecy. When you're doing by yourself, in the dark by itself, you and it, it loves it. When you bring it out into the light, when you confess it to somebody, it starts losing its power. Because in the dark, it tells you, this is nice, this is really great. Oh, you are high, you are on top of the world. In the light, you see the foolishness of it all. And when there's somebody there to keep you accountable, and that's what brothers and sisters, we're here for. Keeping each other accountable, being our brothers and sisters keepers, is not just something that is supposed to be done by the leaders in the church. You are the person that's supposed to go and help out that brother. Oh, sometimes you hear stuff like, "Oh, pastor, you know, uh, you need to talk to so and so." They were, they were, they are clubbing now. That's what I hear. Of course, the question also becomes: uh, You hear they were clubbing. You saw them they were clubbing. Yeah. So you are at the club too? Oh, yeah. Okay. But this one has deeper problems than you, somehow. And so I should go and talk to somebody that I never saw at the club. I mean, how, how do I even start the conversation? So-and-so said they saw you at the club and they wanted me to come and talk to you about it. I mean, that's gossip, isn't it? That is gossip, it's called gossip. Now, when you see your brother at the club and you're at the club and you know you're both in trouble, please talk to each other. Listen, brother, we, we, we are in trouble. <laughs> We need help here. We need massive help. Because what we hear on Sunday and what's happening here, they don't jive. I mean, you'd be surprised. You obviously have things in common. You're at the same place. Oh, nobody understands me. Here's somebody who understands you. Let's watch out. Let's be vigilant with sin. You cannot live your life by yourself. You cannot be a successful Christian by yourself. You need other people that will show you the mistakes in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, some of you need to get married. Because when you get married, you find out there's somebody who's always on your case. And you start realizing, oh, I'm a sinner, man. I didn't know I was this bad. Yes. By yourself, you never know you're bad until you get married. Until there's somebody in your face. Look, with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you can argue, you can go your different ways two weeks without talking to each other. This one you get married to, oh, every morning you see her face, you see his face. You can't run away from them. It has a way of keeping you accountable, isn't it? And you know, church, here's the truth of the matter. As long as we keep each other at arm's length, we're not going to grow as long as we keep each other at a distance, we are not going to grow. You are not going to grow. Because your growth is dependent on the other people in the body to bring something that you don't have in your life and for you to bring something into their lives that they do not have. Hallelujah. Be vigilant against sin. Number one, be steadfast in trials. Number two, be sober about life. Number three, be vigilant against sin. Number four, be grateful to god now my handwriting is even gone thought it was just my eyes but be grateful to god watch verse number 18 do not be deceived my beloved brothers every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures he says watch Everything that you have that is good is coming from God. Isn't it when we're in trials, when we're being tested, that the devil makes us feel like God is not good? If God was good, how come I'm in this problem? If God was good, how come I'm sick? If God is good and all-powerful and all-knowing, then I shouldn't be in this problem. Mm -mm. James is saying, watch it. Because the very first thing that the enemy wants to do in shifting you from the destiny that God has for you is to make you to start having doubts about the goodness of God. Oh, that's what he did in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? He says to Eve, God knows that in the day that you eat of the fruit of this tree, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. You are going to be like God. And so when she saw that here was something that was going to make her to be like God, she said, aha, that's what I need. That's how he always plays it. God does not wish good for you. James is saying, no, no, in your trial, in your, in your persecution, in your hard time, please remember every good thing, every perfect gift comes from God. In fact, when you're in a your trials, that's a time to count your blessings. In fact, I want to challenge you. Have a journal where you write down those great times that God came through for you. Yes, and so that when the dark times come, you can always go back and say, Hey, listen, this is what he did. And I, I assure you, the Holy Spirit will help you relieve that moment and excite you again and have faith in him so that you can do what God has called you to do. Every good gift comes from God, the Father of lights. And here, Paul, I mean, um, James, may be pointing the fact that, oh, the lights which Uh, And were understood by many people in that time As the stars Which behind them were understood as heavenly powers Uh, uh, James is saying That God is in charge of all that So the astrology Some of us still read horoscopes You can't be reading a horoscope If you're a Christian That's going according to the stars Isn't it Well, Here's my star guy so what are you? I'm, I'm a I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a Scorpio. So what does it say for you? Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense. And some of us were ad- addicted to that, isn't it? Oh, you couldn't stop the day until hey, I'm a Scorpio. Let me see? Nonsense. He's the Father of Lights. He's the Father of the Stars. He's the one who's in control. Commit yourself to Him. Not a star guy. And He says that this God, this Father, who is good is in charge of all the stars, in charge of all these things, and of His own will, brought us forth by the word of truth. Of His own will, He brought us forth. He made us to be born. Amen. You weren't your own idea. You, you were God's idea. You were God's, in fact, you are God's idea. You're not your own idea. It's God who set you to be here in such a time and a place like this. It's Him. He knows what He's created you for. He knows what you're capable of. He knows what He has put into you. And He wants you to live in gratefulness to Him. Now this may be a pointer to our being brought forth as in being born again. Yes, He has chosen us by all by Himself, right? But it could also mean that no, He has put us into the world, those of us that I say, to be the first creatures. In the new world, we will enter into that new world, isn't it? Into the new the new heaven and earth. Right? And so then we should be grateful to God. Friend, listen, if you're going to live a joyful life, you must be a person that is praising God. Do you know you cannot be frustrated and grateful at the very same time? Being frustrated, oh, this is not working. <laughs> Nothing works for me. And at the very same time, you're praising God. No, 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 no. no. When you praise God, you lift yourself above the frustrations. And some of you need to get more into the praise of God. Why? So that you get less frustrated. Be grateful to God. Look at the things that He has done for you. I mean, you're alive. Uh, But you know I am sick. But you're alive. If you know you're sick, you're alive, right? But I have no money. You're not sick. You see, if you can't praise God for the positive things, maybe praise God for the negative things you see in others. Oh, you know I'm not like that person. Yes, hallelujah. Because, I mean, your level of faith is one way. It's like, okay, at least find something to help you praise. We need to live a life of gratefulness. Don't just come to God because you want something. I'm asking for this, asking for that. No, come to God because He is a good God. He's the one who gives everything. Every perfect and good gift comes from Him. Thank Him for your life. Thank Him that you have a house that is leaking. Others don't even have a house. Amen. But we don't have electricity in our house. Yes, but you have a house. There are others with no house. Hey, but you know, my husband is always broke, has no money. You have a husband? Thank God for a husband. (laughs) Others are looking for a husband. They don't have a husband. Amen? Yes. But have an attitude. Have a life that is grateful toward God. Number five. Be meek before God. Verse number 19. Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls so watch now he says watch it don't be prating prating all the time he says no be quick to hear quick to listen You know some people, you are talking, and before you finish, they're also uh, 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 uh." Uh. Be quick to hear. Let the other person finish. Yes, let the other person finish talking. That's when you can start talking. I mean, isn't this just common sense? But somehow, you must bring out what you want to say. No, they're in the middle of saying something. Shut up, wait for them. Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Usually the people that don't have much to say, they say the most. eh? And the people that have anything to say, they're the ones that say the least. Interesting. The people that don't know, they don't tell you that they know. But it's the people that don't know that always tell you that they know, and yet they don't know. When people know little, they, they think they know a lot. When people know a lot, They realize they know it that's the truth and so he says be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger he says for the anger of man for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God now notice he's not saying don't get angry right he's just saying don't get angry no he's saying be slow to anger because anger is an emotion that God has put inside you for your protection at times. So you meet somebody, you're walking down the road, you meet somebody, a thief that grabs you, wants to grab your phone, and then you smile. <laughs> no, you are crazy. You need to go to the mental ward so we can check you out. Things are not supposed to work like that. Somebody comes knocking on your door. In fact, somebody breaks down your door. He's a thief in the night with AK-47 and stuff like that. And you start smiling at them and laughing with them. There's something wrong with you. No, God has given us anger. Yes, He has given us anger so that we can protect ourselves even in this crazy fallen world. Remember Jesus got mad. Huh? He, got, he kicked things down. He chased some people out of the temple. Because they were not doing the things that were meant to be done in the temple. So Peter, I mean James, is not saying that we should not get angry. No, we should not be quick to anger. Because a quick anger, an anger that is not fitting with the righteousness of God, is actually a fleshly anger. In fact, anger and control go together, isn't it? So because I can't control, because I can't get my way, and so what do I do? I get angry. Now, when some people get angry they break things but some people when they get angry they cry it's still a, a way of manipulating isn't it a way of controlling he says no don't be like that be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger because the anger of man is not about the righteousness of God and then he says therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness so put away stop doing that and he says and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul so receive with meekness the implanted word the word that is inside you the word of god that is inside you if you're truly born again the holy spirit lives inside you and you know what is right and what is wrong right come on we know when we sin and when we're about to sin don't we don't we even plan our sin? Come on. I mean, you situate yourself in the path of that person at that particular time, at that particular place, and, and you know that, yeah, when we meet, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You planned it. Let's not act as if we don't plan this thing out. We actually plan this thing out. If you've done it more than once, you, you have a, an MO, a modus operandi, a way of, of, of operation. You know what to do. Amen. He says, there is a word that is implanted in us. We should receive it with humility. Watch this. James is not saying that the solution to you stopping doing that thing is just stop, 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 stop. No. Everything in your life takes space in your life. And for you to take it out, you must replace it with something. If you don't replace it with another habit, you are doomed to repeating it. And so he says... Receive with meekness the implanted word. What implanted word? This word. It's also in you. But get into this word. Get with God. And the more that you have an appetite for the word of God, the more that you shall walk according to the word of God. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. Do you remember the first time those of you that that are ex-drunkards like me? Not those of you that are still drunkards. No, those of you that are ex-drunkards like me. You remember the first time you took that alcohol? It was like, Ugh! isn't it? Very bitter, isn't it? And some of us, we were like, okay, let me get the brandy and the lots and lots of Coke. And then afterwards, you worked out an appetite, isn't it? And actually, the special brew was like, Coca-Cola it was like, ah, oh, this is nice. What happened? You worked out an appetite. Listen, if you can work out an appetite for evil, you can work out an appetite for good. If you can work an appetite for evil, you can work an appetite for good. At the very beginning, it's something that is hard. But after a while, you start getting used to it. And that's the way you live your life. That's the very same thing that you did with that other thing. So how do you think somebody's just going to lay hands on you and then that thing goes, No, you must do the hard work of untangling yourself from there. Amen. Pastor, pray for me. I drink too much. No, you should stop drinking. Amen. You should stop drinking. And you should find the other thing that should come into your life that will change you. Which is the implanted word of God. You should start living by the word of God. You should change your friends. Why? Well, because all your friends are drunkards. I know, you know. I don't drink. I'm just going to hang out with my brothers and, and just share the gospel with them. In any case, they'll need somebody to drive them home. They're going to be drunk, so I'm the one that's it. Ah! So they converted you now. Now they converted you. Instead of you converting them, converting them, they converted you. You are hanging out with the wrong people. Tell your neighbor you are hanging out with the wrong people. Hang out with the saints. Hang out with the saints. Hmm. And so we receive with meekness the implanted word of god there should be a meekness a humility that says i am failing i am a sinner i am sinning i need help i need help because things are not working out for me but as long as you're right there by yourself Thinking you got it covered and everything is working out okay and yet you know in your heart of hearts things are not working out for you you are being prideful receive with meekness the implanted word in your souls, which is able to save your souls finally number six be real with yourself be real with yourself you see many times we deceive ourselves many times we actually believe our own marketing you know, honestly speaking, marketing, I'm sorry for the marketers here, but uh, marketing, they're really trying to sell you a product. It's not all that they say that it is. You know what I'm saying? Remember, we—we we, somebody had a made escom change, all power, all day, is it? Huh? What was their more again? Power all day, every day. Somebody said, no, that's not right. But it was a marketing gimmick to make you believe that, oh, listen, they'll give you power all day, every day. And somebody says, no, 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 some power, some days. Right? But it's a marketing gimmick. Now, if ESCOM, the problem becomes when Eskom starts believing that. That's a problem. And many of us have really come to the point that we've started to believe our own PR, our own marketing. We've started to believe it. And when we do, you get into trouble. And that's the kind of person that James is talking about here. Look at verse number 21. Verse number 22. But, does, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets that he was, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Watch this. He's saying, a person... Who just hears, oh you know, powerful message today. Oh, Pastor was on a roll and then never does what pastor says. It's like somebody who stood on a mirror, saw himself or herself, and then walk and then went off and forgot what they're like. Do you know what they're gonna do? They will try and come back again and see what am I like? That they'll forget. They'll They'll come back. Do you know we have people like that in the street? Sunday in, Sunday out You are saying amen You are saying this is true You are saying this is the thing And yet when you go back home You are not doing it You are deceiving yourself You are not being real And listen When somebody deceives you It's bad enough It's bad When somebody deceives you Very bad When you deceive you Hey Hey That's dangerous deception Because you've lost all direction And so he says, that's a very same thing with somebody that just hears the word and does not do the word. Tell your neighbor, it's time to do the word. word. And he says, you shouldn't be like that. You should look into the real mirror, the perfect law, the law of righteousness. What is that? It's the word of God. You see, the word of God, you don't just read the word of God. The The word of God reads you let me say that again you don't just read the word of God the word of God reads you it tells you stuff about you it starts pointing things inside you you know you're like this you know you're like that you know you're like that do you know God is more interested in changing you conforming you to the image of his son than blessing you than giving you that car than giving you that job please understand God because you may get frustrated with God God is not about the bling bling and all those things that you want no God is about your heart He wants to change your heart Amen He wants to change your heart when He changes your heart that's when you will have come to a point where you can be trusted with something And so when we come to the Word of God, when we come to church, let's have this idea. God is interested in me changing. When we open the Word of God, we should ask ourselves, what is it that I should change in my life? When you come to church like this, ask yourself, what is this? What is it that I'm being required to change? Because when I come before Him, I should be shown the things that are in me that are not right before Him. And then there will be those that would think that, Oh, listen, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a great Christian. So, here is James and what he says about that. Verse number 26 there. He says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not brittle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. <laughs> so, if, in other words, if somebody thinks they're religious, they put up their hands and they worship, they speak in tongues, they're on the ground, they give a prophetic song and whatever else that they do. Right? But if that person... Does not bridle his tongue. If they're always yapping, yapping, they tell you about this one. They tell you about this one. They tell you about that one. They tell you about that one. That one is not religious. That one probably is not a Christian. See, we have an inherited Christianity, isn't it? I mean, all of you here, if you're writing on your CV, to, in Malawi we put religion, isn't it? Yeah, well, probably one of the few places in the world where you put religion on your CV. But you put religion on your CV, you say Christian. Everybody here would write Christian. But that is a Christian of self deception, isn't it? He says anybody that says they're Christian, they should bridle their tongue. There are some things you can't say. In fact you shouldn't even think of saying. She'll see. She'll see. She'll see. Excuse me. No, she shouldn't see. He shouldn't see. Let them see Christ. Let them see that even though they have wronged you, you're still going to go back to them in grace and in love. Let them see Christ. Let them not see the old you. Because the old you is buried with Christ, isn't he? Right? And so he says, no, here's true religion, verse number 27. Religion that is pure and then defiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He says, here's true religion. Visit the orphans and the widows. Take care of the poor. Take care of those that have nothing. In other words, love, true religion is about love. Love for God, love for other people. No, it's not just about God. It's about other people as well. Isn't that sad that today we think true religion, when you love God, then you should have all these things. When you have all these things, you should share with the others that don't have, isn't it? Oh, but today we have a prosperity gospel that tells us that we should accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate, even when others are going without. Oh, God forbid. And James is going to be speaking about that. How can What kind of faith is that? That you have everything. You are warm and and you have food. And then you tell the poor brother. The one who doesn't have anything. And you say. Oh be well fed and be warm. He says that is faith. That is not faith. Because faith must have works. A faith that must be followed with works. And so again. He starts off that whole thing here. Religion that is pure. Before the father. Is that we should take care. Of of widows and orphans. And not only the love part. But also there is the purity part. And he says, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. God expects you to be poor. I mean to be pure. God expects you that you keep yourself unstained from the world. Unstained. Not taking on the mentalities and the works and the ways of the world. That's how we're meant to be. In other words, you and I need to check ourselves. Am I living my life according to the word? because if I'm not living my life according to the word then I am not being real to myself I am lying to myself and you know when you have this thing inside you that makes you feel you're lying you're not being truthful to yourself when you know you have a you are a hypocrite you can't live joyfully too is it because you know that there are things inside me that are not right before him God has called us live joyfully troubles will be with us trials and temptations are what this fallen world is about but we have been called to live joyfully and we do that by being steadfast in trials we do that by being sober about life we do that by being vigilant about sin we do that by being grateful to God by being meek before God and by being real to ourselves amen man let's stand up thank you for listening to the carousel along podcast i trust you've been blessed please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on facebook twitter whatsapp and whatever social media you're on may the lord break you through into your kingdom destiny blessings